get to talk to you about my favorite person. I get to talk to you about the greatest artist today. I get to talk to you about the greatest creator, maker, bestseller of all times. But I can't say bestseller honestly, even though it sounds cool because he didn't sell. It was for free. I get to talk to you about the greatest carpenter of all time. Can you even imagine having a piece of his furniture in your house? What that would be like. I get to talk to you about this one who's compassionate, the one who's full of grace and full of truth, the Bible says. I get to talk to you about one who's concerned about us. He's, he's, he's also peace and he's also victory and he's our banner and he's love. Your love never fails. It never runs out on me. His love never fails. Think about Romans for a minute. Romans 8, at the end of Romans 8, you know, that dude may have ran out on you or that woman may have ran out on you, but I want to let you know, the one I talk about today, his love never fails. How's that song go? Never runs out on me. For your love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. For your love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love, isn't that beautiful? You know, a lot of us, we try to love as much as we can. So many times our love has a hook, but his love doesn't have a hook. Matter of fact, it was completely sacrificial, his love for you and I. Can you guess who I'm talking about today? Can somebody say Jesus? Jesus. J to the E to the S-U-S. Can you imagine being on earth when Jesus was on earth? I know that he exists and he lives and he sits on the throne and the Holy Spirit's with us. But when he walked on earth, when he was born, whenever he ministered on earth, when it was revealed of who he is, can you imagine going to Jesus's like birthday parties or drinking some tea with Jesus or kicking it back on the Mediterranean and eating some hummus with Jesus and crackers, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is probably some of the things that Jesus could have done. And uh, can you imagine being his parents? I mean, the mother, Mary, his, as it were, I, I guess kind of earthly stepdad, and losing Jesus. Can you imagine just for a moment losing Jesus for three days? They're coming out of Jerusalem and he, they think that he's with the rest of the, the clan and the rest of those moving along and, 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 and finally they realize he's not there and they lose Jesus for three days. Think about that for a minute. You lose Jesus. And then they have to backtrack and they find Jesus and guess what he's doing? He's back talking to teachers. I mean, he's 12 years old. Nathan, good to see you, buddy. God bless you. He's 12 years old. Who is this kid? 12 years old. Back talking to teachers. What kid does that? And he's there. Guess what he's doing? He's listening and he's asking them questions. Can somebody say Jesus? Who is this Jesus that does this? And around that age of 30, he, he steps out of his, his uh, nail bags kind of closed the cabinet shop down or however that looked. And before you know it, he, you see him out there at a water baptism. And this is not your typical baptizer. John the Baptist, this brother is radical. 
Man, he makes me look like a little puppy dog. He's uh, got camel hair and he, he's locusts. And, and uh, I mean, John the Baptist, you probably heard Jesus freak before the, the song. I love that because it kind of articulates who the John the Baptist was. And Jesus goes there and he goes, hey, you got to baptize me. And John's like, wow, man, you should be baptizing me. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But Jesus himself gets water baptized. He would never need to be water baptized. He's 100% God and he's 100% man and he never makes a mistake in all of his life. But the Bible says to fulfill all righteousness, Jesus was baptized. Now that's a free commercial for you today if you've not been water baptized. You should. Jesus did it as an example for me and you. You go down in the death of the tomb of Jesus and you come up in the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say water baptized? So you see Jesus, this, this Jesus, he gets water baptized and, and all of a sudden you hear a voice, this is my beloved son. And you see this and hear this, this what we call Trinity. God the Father speaks to his Son. And you have God the Son getting water baptized. And then you see this dove, Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, alighting upon Jesus. God the Spirit, all of a sudden God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's, it's beautiful, it's a mystery, but it's, a, it's powerful. Who is this Jesus. And then before you know it, he's led by the Spirit. Say that with me. Led into where? The desert. Now think about that. The next time you're going through something tough, he's led by the Spirit to go in the desert 40 days fasting and he's tempted by the devil led by the spirit. Put that in your theological pipe and puff it. <laughs> led by the spirit into the desert. And he comes out of the desert and he's preaching. I mean, his ministry ignites. For 30 years, he's been this carpenter and this boy, and he's still God, God-man, yet all of a sudden, something begins to happen around the age of 30 years old, water baptism and, and desert, and he comes out preaching. It's like the desert was like seminary for him or, or college or preparation. He comes out preaching, and this is, this is what he says. He says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is as if it were the desert prepared him. Can I say something that is very, very real, being 52 years old? Nothing will get you ready for what God has for you like tough times. Now, I don't enjoy them. But I tell you something, persecution, distresses, tribulation, troubles, those things get us ready for what God wants to do in and through us. Saul was persecuting the church and trying to take the church out. And through persecution, guess what the church did? It just blew up. That's what happens whenever we are faced with difficult times, God becomes strong 
when we are weak, God will use you in a powerful way. Then Jesus begins to gather some men around himself. He, he goes and, I mean, he walks out of the desert. He, he preaches and he goes and he finds men. And, uh, I mean, it's just very, very cool, his ability. He looks at them and says, uh, follow me. Guess what they do? They follow him. They follow him. I mean, they leave their nets. They leave the, 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 the family occupation and they begin to follow Jesus. And he does something very unique. I love this. Why do we always go after the lost and the hurting and prodigals? Why do we preach the gospel constantly? Why? Because it's what Jesus is all about. He didn't say, come and follow me. I'll make you an apostle or I'll make you a, a great leader that's going to travel the world, evangelize and heal. And even though people do that. He said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Number one, uno, that you and I should be doing, yo, is fishing for men. If you're following Jesus, I think you should be fishing. Are you feeling me today? We need to make it hard for people to go to hell in our community. We need to give people the opportunity to come out of ashes and experience life and experience hope and experience life and life abundant and experience eternal life. We need, who, who does God use? He uses you and I. And he has since the very beginning. He's done it with grassroots. You're here today because people have gone before you century, century, generation after generation, and they've been faithful to be fishers of men. I pray, God, Holy Spirit, you convict us because it's more than coming for a worship service and it's more than coming on a weekend gathering. Come on, listen, this is where we get fueled up and sent out to go do the work of the ministry. Amen. Amen. Then Jesus does something so very, very cool. He performs his First miracle, John chapter 2, and I think it's just an amazing, amazing chapter because in this chapter, you see the personality of Jesus. If you don't think Jesus has personality, I got news for you. You better get out of your little religious mindset because Jesus, I love to serve God because he's a consuming fire and he's grace and he's love and he'll shake the mountains and he's just amazing. So you see him in John chapter 2, and him and his disciples are invited to a wedding, and they go to the wedding. And let me just read a little bit of what takes place in one chapter of the Bible. John 2, 3 through 8. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. They have no wine. Moms are good for kind of getting people motivated. <laughs> Kick them out of the nest a little bit. Because he was God, yet he was man. They have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, 
Can somebody say personality? <laughs> See, Jesus will blow you out of your theological little boxes in a heartbeat. I don't know how he said it, but I'm just reading it. <laughs> Woman, comma. What does your concern have to do with me? For my hour has not yet come. I don't think Mary had the same position on that. <laughs> His mother said to the servants, don't never forget as long as you live, especially if you're a mother, uh, a mother Mary follower here right now, you need to listen real good to what, G what Mary, Mary's about to say. Whatever he says to do, do it. If you put Mary in a pedestal of where she should not be, yeah, she's chosen. Yeah, God used her, her mightily, but she's a woman. Just like I'm a man, you're a man or what? She is a woman that God uses just like God wants to use you. And I love what Jesus, how God uses Mary to speak to you and I today and to speak back in that day. Listen to what Mary says. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. It's simple. Whatever he says to do, do it. Now there were six, there were set there six water pots of stone. This is plastic. <laughs> but it looks cool. And if it was stone, it would be even heavier. There were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews. Containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So what would happen, my understanding, would, this is a ceremony, a wedding ceremony, so I think we could assume in a pretty good light that people would come in and they would wash. They'd wash their hands and they would wash their feet. I'm not throwing them at the, my wife. I just, I got to get them. Ooh, a little chili, Topher. I don't know how big the wedding was. I don't know how many people were there. But can you imagine the condition of the water, possibly the water could be after everybody at the wedding had ceremonially washed themselves? Possibly hands and feet. And I'm putting my new shoes, not my new shoes on, my shoes, and now they feel really weird. <laughs> wet shoes, wet feet inside. I should have used a towel. <laughs> Lord, I pray I don't get blisters. Amen. <laughs> so he does this. Can you imagine maybe a hundred people doing this? Uh, like here, maybe there's five, six hundred people here right now and you came for a wedding and you did this and it's six water pails and so forth and so on. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them to the brim. 
Isn't that cool? And look what takes place. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And guess what happened? That purification water, the water with possibly dirt from underneath your fingernails where you were guarding or possibly you had been hunting or I don't know what you had done that day and your funky feet because probably wearing sandals through the dirt and he takes this and he fills them to the rim and then Jesus turns these pots of water into wine. What kind of wine? Well, you can only imagine the master looked at, I think, the groom and said, you know, you usually save, usually serve the best wine in the beginning and save that for later on, but you're, you're serving the best wine at the end. How many know that whatever Jesus touches, he makes clean? He'll take a leper who completely unclean, 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 unclean. Jesus, are you willing Jesus touches an unclean leper and all of a sudden, if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, he's touched your life and you're no longer unclean. Hallelujah. By the blood of Jesus, we're washed and we're whiter than snow. You're the righteousness. Listen to this truth. You're the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. What Jesus has done for you and I, you have been justified. What does that mean? Just as if you've never done anything wrong. He justifies you. He cleanses you. He washes you. This is why it's called, somebody say, good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is too good to be true. But it's true. If we confess our faults to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and, come on, somebody read the Bible. Come on, come on. Cleanse, say that with me. Cleanse us. Everything that Jesus touches, he cleanses, even this water. But look at this in the same chapter of the Bible John chapter 2, look what Jesus, I want to show you the personality of Jesus for a minute. Because he goes to this wedding, to a celebration, a ceremony, and he turns water into wine. And then in the same chapter, you see this Jesus, he walks into the temple. And he's not too excited with what he finds in the temple. I want to read for a minute because you're going to see the personality of Jesus. I love to do that so it busts him out of your little religious box. You put him in your thoughts and he's way bigger than your thoughts and your, the way that you can even think. And look what takes place in the second part of John chapter 2. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves. And the money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of cords, uh-oh. Can someone say from wine to whips? Made a whip of cords, 
He drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the char- uh, the changers' money, and look, and he overturned the tables. And you think that was shocking. I turned over one little table. Sorry, little leg. (laughs) But the Bible says he turns over tables. He is zealous. He is upset. You're like, J.O., I'm upset with you. Well, get over yourself. Because, listen, he was upset of what was going on in his father's house. Who is this Jesus? No longer will you take advantage of my people under the name of religion and sell doves and oxen and take advantage of people who's trying to work their way into heaven. Things are changing. I'm turning over tables. It's a new day. It's not going to be by works. Who is this Jesus? He goes from being a boy and lost and carpenter, tempted by the devil and turning water into wine, flipping tables in his father's house. And then that was just the beginning of miracles. I want you to see Jesus for who he is and why people in this city, they came out saying, Hosanna in the highest Listen to the miracles out of the Gospels today as I just go through who Jesus really is. So somebody say number one. Born a virgin. Number two. Water to wine. Number three, healing a royal's official son. Number four, healing a demoniac. Five, healing Peter's mother-in-law. Six, healing sick in the evening. Number seven, catching large number of fish. That's a miracle? That's a miracle, man. <laughs> Come fishing with me unless I'm fishing with my buddy. If I'm fishing with somebody else, but usually you catch a large, large. That's a miracle. Number eight, healing a leper. Number nine, healing the satyrian's servant. And number 10, healing paralyzed man. I remember healing the withered hand, number 11, because he got accused of doing it on the Sabbath. They were trying to set him up. Healing the withered hand. And then, look, I love number 12. Somebody say, calming the storm. He calmed a natural storm. And that's powerful. He's asleep up in the boat and the disciples are freaking out. I know it literally what I probably would have been doing because I know me. I would have been ralphing over the side of the boat. I know. And probably freaking out at the same time. I don't like big waves and I don't like wind or whatever. And all of a sudden he calms the storm. But he's able, listen, today he's able to calm your storm. The storm in your marriage or the storm in your health or the storm at your work or whatever. I guarantee you, most of you, most people I run into have a little storm brewing. God's able to speak to your storm today. Healing the demoniac with a legion of demons. It's bad enough, one demon, but let's add 6,000. 
Do you remember the story? He gets out of the boat and all of a sudden this naked dude meets him. That's scary. They can't bind him. They can't put chains on him. They tried. He breaks them. He begins telling Jesus who he is. And Jesus begins casting demons out of him, a legion. And before you know it, the guy, the, the, the raving demoniac who cuts himself and wails and, and, and screams all of a sudden, after Jesus' touch on his life, he's clothed and in his right mind. Wow. Praise God for what Jesus does in our lives. Healing the bleeding woman she had bled for years and spent all she had on physicians and she grew worse. And she just touched the hem of Jesus' garment. An unclean woman that shouldn't even be in the crowd just touches him. And then healing two blind men, healing a mute possessed by a demon, healing a 38-year invalid, healing, uh, feeding 5,000 men and their families. Can you imagine how many people that was? Walking on water, come on somebody, walking on water and not by himself. Hey, Jesus, if it's you, bid me come. Come! What's Peter do? Walk on water. Does he sink? Yeah, but he walked on water. <laughs> I'd rather be a A wet water walker than a dry boat talker. <laughs> right? He walked on water. Healing many people, Matthew 14, healing demon-possessed girl, healing deaf man with a speech impediment, healing, uh, feeding 4,000 men and families, healing a blind man, look, healing a, a man born blind, healing a, this is Jesus. Guess what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wow. Healing a demon-possessed boy, catching a fish with a coin in its mouth to do what? Pay taxes? Can someone say, it's tax time? <laughs> Amen. What? April 9th? Yeah, but the deadline's the 15th. It's April 9th right now. You only got a few days. Healing a blind, mute, demon-possessed man. Healing a woman with an 18-year infirmity. Healing a man of dropsy. Healing 10 lepers. Healing, I love the story of blind Bartimaeus. Healing blind Bartimaeus. Son of David! Shh. Hey, man, I'm not going to be quiet. Son of David! Mercy on me and Jesus is stop. Just stop calling this trap. What do you, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to heal me. Your faith has made you whole. Jesus cursed fig tree with no fruit, restored a severed ear, catching 153 fish. Right there is 35 miracles that the gospels speak of. Supernatural birth, water, wine, storm, fish, food, healing, deliverance. Listen to the next three miracles. I'm, the next three is just like a little bit to the next degree. You ready? Listen to these three. 
Number 36, raising a widow's son from the dead. That's a different level, wouldn't you agree? Not impressed, J.O. When's the last time you raised somebody from the dead? Hey, just, just try turning water into wine. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. Just sometimes people's responses like, man, he raised somebody from the dead. 37, raising Jarius' daughter from the dead. 38, raising Lazarus from the dead. Brother's been dead for a few days. Then he talks to Lazarus' sister, and he says this to Martha. Listen to what he says. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Who is this Jesus? And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Who do you believe this? That's what he asked Martha, and that's what I'm asking you today. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Miracle 39. Look at this. The resurrection of Jesus written in all four Gospels and in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The resurrection. We celebrate that next weekend. What a miracle. Did you know that when Jesus was resurrected... That he wasn't the only one. Listen to Matthew 27, 52 through 53. And the graves, look, and the graves were open. And many, will you say that with me, many? <laughs> you thought Thriller Michael Jackson was bad. <laughs> and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Wow. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went, I don't even know about what this would be like. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. Can you imagine that? Hey, man, where you been? Oh, I just been all up in a grave. <laughs> I ain't seen you for a while. Yeah, I've been dead. Walking around the city. This happened. And then, 40th miracle, Jesus ascends into heaven. God the Father, Jesus seated. Guess what Jesus is doing right now? He intercedes for you and I. The Holy Spirit is right in this place Right now, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he's moving upon hearts. But Jesus makes intercession for me and you. Isn't it awesome to know that he's praying for you right now? And those are the 40 miracles out of the Gospels. But how many of you know that his miracles have not ceased? It wasn't like Jesus was a grave robber just then. Jesus is still a grave robber to this day. He's robbing graves all over the place. Listen to what I mean by that. Listen to this scripture, Ephesians 2, 1. It says, and you, he made alive. What do you mean, J.O.? I wasn't dead. Oh, yeah, you were. If you're a believer now, you were dead. He came and robbed your grave. Look what it says. And you, he made alive 
who were dead in your trespasses and sins. You're today, come on, he saw you when you were dead and he snatched you. Oh, can I do that? Sure. He snatched you out of the grave. Come on, he snatched you. You better watch your phone. He snatches you out of the grave. Come on, he comes to you when you were dead and he's your light. Snatches you out of the grave. Come on, he snatches you. He snatches you. He's, come on, I'll do, yeah, yeah, yeah. He snatched, if you're, if you're a believer today, I won't you do you. I'll do you though. Come on. He says, you're dead in your trespasses, but you come to Jesus Christ. You become a new creation in Christ. You're no longer dead. You're alive to him. He pulls you out of the grave so that you live forevermore. Come on. He's still a grave robber. I'm so glad that he robbed my grave. He might need to rob your grave today. If you don't know him, he wants to save you today. How do I know that? Because the Bible says it. Today is the day of salvation. I got to be honest with you. I grabbed most guys. Because last night, I get a little passionate. And there was a girl right there. And I snatched her up. She was a first-time visitor. I about snatched her into that right there. I was like, oh, no. Front. Like, it could be on the front page. Gas heart of the city church, five stitches, pastor. What was you trying to do, J.O.? I was just, t- just trying to tell them that they're, they're, Jesus is a grave robber and... So I got some bigger dudes. Got my daughter. She knew what was going on. She's like, I'm going to put the brakes on. Colossians 1, Colossians 2, 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your faith, he has made alive together with him. Having forgiven all your trespasses, aren't you glad that he robbed your grave? Let's see. What Peter says of who Jesus is. Matthew 16, 13 through 17. And Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked the disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And just like today, nothing's changed. They said it then. They say it today. They said, uh, uh, some say you're John the Baptist and some Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Huh. Huh. John the Baptist, that's my cousin. He got his head whacked off. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. Yeah, I'm a prophet, but I'm way more than a prophet. Simon Peter, he, look what he does. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that he is today? He's looking for one answer. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Then we see Thomas, can someone say doubting? He's no longer doubting. 
Look at the story of, uh, of Thomas, John 20, 24 through 29. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. He's like, yeah, 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 man, what you been eating? Seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. That might be you today. J.O., you got to prove Jesus to me. How can I prove something that lives inside of me? How can I prove something that you can only grasp by faith? Listen, you take a step of faith and he'll prove himself for you. Yes. Only by faith can you see and believe and hear and receive who Jesus is. Look at this. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and he said, Peace to you. Why would he say peace to you? Because they're freaking out. The doors are shut. Jesus appears in the middle of the room. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Who is this? Jesus. Why would they say Hosanna? Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. He's more than a prophet or a teacher or a man or a nice guy or even a miracle man. I echo what Thomas says today so you clearly understand who Jesus is. My Lord. My God. It wasn't enough for him to be a prophet or a teacher. It wasn't even enough for him to be a man to lay his life down. It was God in the form of a man who died for you and I so that you may live. And that's why people get excited about Palm Sunday. That's why next week is the greatest, greatest calendar event of all time. Because we celebrate this God that loved us so much. Let me finish this. It says, and Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You know who the blessed are today? You. You. If you believe today, you're the blessed. You're the, you didn't have the opportunity like Thomas. You're the blessed. You know, look at your neighbor and say, you're the blessed. Not the best. You're the blessed. You're the blessed. You're the blessed because you believe and you've not seen. But now you see with the eyes of faith. And now you see why many came out lying the streets 
waving their palm branches. He on a donkey, the colt of a donkey, and them crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. The, some of the leaders try to stop him. Jesus, shut your disciples down. He says, hey, if they don't cry out, these rocks will cry out. Why? Because he's God. He's God. 